You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here. Welcome back to Talking Law. Today we're talking about an interesting news story that I've recently seen that I thought would be really interesting to investigate in relation to the collapse of the retail chains Rhodes and Beckett and Herringbone. It caught my eye not just because it's a favourite brand of my husband, but also and mostly because in one single example, it highlights a range of legal issues that are extremely important for businesses and management within businesses to be aware of and on top of. So by way of background, in case you're not familiar with Rhodes and Beckett, Rhodes and Beckett is an upmarket menswear retailer. It was founded in 2006, so we're talking around about 10 years ago, to a size this year just before the collapse, together with its sister company Herringbone, to a size of 29 stores, $40 million in annual sales, and around about 140 staff. So a good size business and a lot of staff who, as well as obviously the owners and management of the business, will be greatly impacted if they lose their jobs because a buyer for the business can't be found. It seems that there were many reasons for the collapse. So reasons cited were high overheads, unfavourable store leases and legacy issues. These legacy issues appear to include some murky shareholder disputes arising after a sale by the founder of part of the shares. So let's take a look at each of these areas one by one and examine what lessons there are for businesses to learn from in the Rhodes and Beckett collapse story. Firstly, high overheads. There are some special issues in this particular case, but the general issue of costs and overheads impacts all businesses. The first thing for businesses and management within businesses to understand is the costs that play a factor in the profitability of the business. Locking them down as much as possible is extremely important. And one of the ways you can do this is through tough and strong clauses in supplier agreements to protect a business from increases into the future. In fact, one of the issues that appears to have played out in this case of Rhodes and Beckett is supply supply costs for Rhodes and Beckett That related to supplies that they were receiving from one of their shareholders and the head company of their business. And this is often an issue in businesses where there are related party transactions. So where the business has a supplier or a customer that is somehow related to parts of the owners of a business or parts of the management of a business. It's really important in this sense for all parties to have costs locked down and clear from the start because often what happens in transactions that aren't third party or at arm's length, we often forget to include the detail that we would include if we were dealing with third party or arm's length suppliers or customers. So the important thing to remember is 
whoever it is that you're dealing with as your suppliers or your customers, you need to have the appropriate clauses within your agreements that lock down the substantive provisions that might impact your profitability or the profitability of the business moving forward. And as I said, in supplier agreements, the way of locking this down is protecting the business from increases. So having really clear clauses about how costing and payment is arrived at, how costing and payment will change from year to year. So usually there'll be a provision for there to be increase in future years, but it's really important that you look carefully at how that increase is is discussed. Because I've seen in many agreements over time, increase clauses hidden in the, you know, fine print within an agreement. And if people aren't clear clearly reviewing these contracts before they're signing it, sometimes they can miss the annual review clauses that allow the party that they're dealing with to increase costs each year or each particular period of time by a certain amount. So keep your eye on the costing clauses, how costs are calculated, the payment clauses when payments are due and increase clauses, and also keep an eye out for variations. So this can often happen where you have a particular supply relationship that you then become dependent on. And often this can appear, say, for example, in software type development or licensing arrangements, where if the customer then requires a variation, so they require something to be added on into the future, they can often be at the mercy of their suppliers in relation to how much that will cost. So the other important factor is wherever possible to try and lock down the way variations will be dealt with so that if you become locked into a supply for a particular time, either contractually because you're bound to a contract for a particular period or commercially because really it becomes too hard for you to then replace the supplier or replace the supplier quickly, you should ensure that you have locked down that variation concept. And finally, in relation to the concept of high overheads, the linking issue for many businesses, perhaps not so much retail, but other businesses outside of retail, is keeping on top of debtors. So keeping a really tight rein on anyone who owes the business money, ensuring that that doesn't get out of hand. Because if you have high overheads and you're not keeping on top of your debtors, and or you have a tight profit margin, you'll find that slowing cash flow related to slow paying debtors can often cripple a business and leave it in the situation of Rhodes and Beckett and Herringbone here, um, where they're facing the concept of liquidation if a buyer for the business isn't found. So the second element that has been pointed to in the Rhodes and Beckett collapse is unfavourable store leases. And I think this is a really important issue for businesses to be mindful of if they're dealing with a landlord, so if they don't own the business premises themselves, or and or if location is particularly important to the business. So often I see the situation where businesses fail to understand how negotiable landlords often can be when they're first seeking a tenant, and even sometimes when we get up to an option or renewal period. So the important things to understand when you're first entering into a lease is this is probably the period of time when you're going to have the most power in the relationship. So this is when you most want to get everything right. You want to negotiate as hard as possible so that you are getting the best deal you can possibly get in the situation. 
And it's also important at that stage to understand what the variables are and understand what you can negotiate over and above, obviously, simply the rent. There's other areas that might be important to your business in relation to the obligations of the landlord to you or limiting the obligations of you to the landlord. It might be important for you to consider how rent adjustments are going to take place in the future. So rental increases, almost all leases will include a provision for the increase in rent over time. So it's important for you to understand how much that will be and how that compares to the market at the time that you're negotiating. And it's also important for you to understand outgoings, how they can be calculated and increased over time. So wherever possible, you want to ensure you're not being stung by increases and increasing outgoings by fixing the increases and fixing the calculation of the outgoings. Or in some cases, you may also be able to have outgoings included in your total rent expense. So that's not a separate expense for you that acts as a variable. Obviously, understanding the terms of your lease and what you are required during the lease period at the end of the lease period is important. And then finally, the term of the lease. So how long are you able to negotiate for this lease? If you're looking to sell your business into the future, it's also great to come back to this as a point of often renegotiating your lease and getting a full new lease term together with a new series of options before you sell your business or start the sale process if location is important to your business so that you have that value for the future locked in for a a buyer coming in, which can impact greatly the value of the business in the minds of the heads of a buyer that's coming in. So the third area I wanted to talk to today is a far deeper and more murky area than the other two areas we've talked about, which is internal disputes. So some sources are now reporting that a dispute being played out in the background was a factor in the collapse of Rhodes and Beckett. So to understand this better, we need to delve further into the history of Rhodes and Beckett. So as I said, Rhodes and Beckett was founded in 2006 by its founder, Nelson Mayer. In 2012, so approximately six years later, he sold 80% of the business to a German luxury goods company, Van Lark. So that was in 2012, the sale. And obviously, it's important to bear in mind that this sale has occurred for whatever reason as being rather than a full sale of the business, a sale of part of the business and then a retention by the original owner of a 20% stake in the business, i.e. a minority stake. And often what can happen in this situation is that issues can occur in the future, not just because the original business owner has lost um, full control of a business that they had built. And, you know, it's important to understand for businesses who are selling, if they decide to retain equity in the business when they continue into the future, that It's important for business owners to understand that if they have been used to running a ship or running a ship together with a particular set of people who are the owners, bringing in a new owner or a new party can often create issues with the equilibrium of how the management and progression of the company had worked, particularly if you're bringing on board someone who would then take over control. So this is an important lesson for all businesses, not just businesses that are looking at selling an equity stake in the business, 
but businesses also that are looking to bring on board partners, whether or not that be partners within the business from an equity perspective or partners that they're joint venturing with into the future. And the sorts of issues that can occur at any time when new business partners or joint venture partners are brought on board. In this particular case, this all started to unfold by last year, 2015, when the founder or the ex-founder, Nelson Mayer, took Von Luck, the 80% now major shareholder, to court alleging unfair dismissal and oppression of minorities because, as I said, he now held a minority stake, a 20% stake in the business, which essentially means that he felt in bringing that action that there were things and decisions being made in the business that he wasn't able to have control of that were completely outside of his control and to his detriment. There were hearings in the Victorian Supreme Court in 2015 and 2016 where Mr Mayor alleged that Van Lark had been artificially reducing earnings at Rhodes and Beckett and its sister chain Herringbone through transfer pricing by charging the Australian retailers a premium for fabric that they sourced through its Singapore subsidiary. So Mr Mayor alleged that there were surcharges being applied of between 20 to 40% for fabric that was made in Vietnam and China, which he said pushed up the cost of their goods and therefore reduced the profitability in Australia. So the issues with this go back to one of the issues that I was talking about earlier, which is locking in costs through supplier agreements. In this case, it looks like the supplier agreements weren't locked in to the extent that they should have been in this case because of the surcharges that were being added on top of the cost of the fabric that was purchased by the Australian Rhodes and Beckett business. The way this played out though for Mr Mayor in particular was in two areas. Number one, he had a shareholders agreement where the German company was required to pay him on the basis of profits and earnings in the company. Mr. Mayor then claimed that Van Lark manipulated the accounts, particularly by this increase in the cost price of the fabrics that were coming into Australia, that had then the effect of reducing the gross profits and increasing the, the costs, which then created negative profits and thereby afforded them the ability to avoid paying him the true value of his stake in the business. The other issue that he highlighted was their decision to use cheaper Chinese fabrics rather than the better quality Italian fabrics it traditionally had used, which absolutely shows an issue playing out here of decisions that had been made by the founder that were being impacted by the new shareholder or that could be made by new JV partners. And it really demonstrates the issues and the critical issues in locking down decision-making and how decisions are made within an organisation. So this points back to a number of learnings for all of us. One of the learnings is in locking down agreements like our shareholders' agreements or JV agreements, any agreements where we're entering into a, an arrangement with a partner, business partner, that relates to how the business will be conducted. So whether it's a JV arrangement or arrangements in relation to the internal runnings of a particular business, it's very important to lock down decision making. Who will make decisions? Who gets to participate in those decisions? 
And what if there's a dispute? How will you provide the opportunity for the parties to deal with the issues before they turn into a legal dispute? Obviously, in this issue, in this case, one of the issues was the minority stake that the founder held, a 20% stake. But this sort of issue can be protected within shareholder agreements. So if you've got the right clause and you're able to negotiate the right clause in shareholder agreements, even if you hold a minority interest, you can still have your interests protected. But perhaps another area that this points back to then is the decisions that were made in the share sale process way back in 2012. And Nelson Mayer's decision to sell only 80% of the business rather than all of the business. So whatever were the reasons for that at the time, by retaining a stake moving forward, there were always going to be big risks for the founder who stayed on. And often it's better in these situations to have a clean break. But if there's no clean break and not a full sale and a business owner does decide to stay with the business, then I think an important thing to bear in mind is that you need to have clauses that deal with what will happen if the parties don't agree moving forward. So there's a path for how everyone can separate amicably without having to resort to litigation because obviously litigation only adds to costs. And in this case, while litigation was going on in the background, the businesses collapsed. So whether or not it caused the collapse Certainly, I'm sure it can't have been a helpful factor in assisting the businesses move trade out of any of the issues that they were suffering in the business. And then the final issue, and there are a lot of them in this case, (laughs) the final issue was a claim for unfair dismissal that was made by the founder in relation to him being terminated, his employment being terminated by the company in March 2015. And this is the sort of thing, once again, that is important to businesses, both in terms of businesses that are considering a sale and considering how they would be employed by the business in a continuing basis and the importance of making sure they have protections against the new purchaser of the business terminating their employment. And it's also important to bear in mind for businesses just in relation to general staff issues from an unfair dismissal perspective. Because Unfair dismissal claims can often, unfortunately, be a common risk for businesses. So businesses need to make sure they have the structure in place supporting any decisions that they're making in relation to the termination of an employee. So it's important that they understand what the elements are that might be argued by an employee in an unfair dismissal case and ensure that they have the both the systems and the documentation to back up the fairness of the dismissal. Obviously, this can be a confusing area. So wherever you're confused, feel free to contact one of our lawyers through our site, Talking Law, and you'll be able to um, be put in contact with one of our lawyers who can explain further the risks relating to the area of unfair dismissals. And then the very final area that I wanted to talk about in relation to this case is that it appeared that Mr. Mayor, the founder, had been dismissed or had resigned, whatever the courts decide at the end of the day, in April 2015. But he didn't actually resign as a director of Herringbone and Rhodes and Beckett until 
January, late January 2017. So that's almost two years of a period of time between the time that he resigned as managing director and that he then resigned as a director, uh, along with all of the obligations that directors have in relation to a business. So one of the issues here, I don't know the answer to this, whether or not he had strong and close involvement with the business over this period of time whilst he remained a director of the business. But it's an issue for anyone who holds a position of as director of a business in which they might be having a dispute with other people who are also part of the board or beneficial ownership of a business. Because holding the position of a director is a very important responsibility and comes with obligations as well as risk. And when a business is having trading issues and you don't have, as a director, you don't have control or enough information in relation to those issues because relationships have broken down, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous situation. Because if the company is failing to make certain payments or is making decisions that are dangerous decisions, that can potentially impact you personally. And there can sometimes be personal liability that might arise out of that. So it's certainly something to bear in mind for any of our listeners who either are directors themselves or advise people who are directors of organisations. Well, that's it. That's my quick overview of the Rhodes and Beckett collapse and how it might be relevant to all businesses. Um, As a quick summary of the things that we talked about, as a recap, we talked about the issue of high overheads and how we can protect ourselves in our businesses against high overheads by locking down clauses within supplier agreements to protect from increases, locking down relevant clauses, sometimes in customer agreements that protect income for the business, understanding the costs and keeping on top of debtors. As I said, not so relevant in the retail space, but certainly for many businesses who exist outside of the retail space. The next area was unfavourable store leases. So we talked about ways in which organisations can protect themselves where um, premises are important or location is important. And some of the things that you can think about if you're building your business up for a sale into the future in terms of locking in the value that relate to location. And finally, in the area of looking at the internal disputes behind the Rhodes and Beckett story, we looked at issues with agreements, shareholder agreements, joint venture partner agreements and agreements with any other partners within the business. We looked at the concept of decision making. Uh, We talked about unfair dismissal claims and ensuring your business has the right structures and documents and processes in place to protect the business against unfair dismissal claims. We also talked about duties as a director um, and how the risks can play out for directors if they are in a situation that is a hostile board or a hostile connection with the beneficial owners of a business. And finally, I guess the overarching lesson here is for businesses that are looking at sale in the future or purchase, that sometimes if the sale or purchase doesn't relate to the full equity in the business, then you sometimes can have 
issues that will continue into the future of the business just because of mix of personalities and different ways of viewing the future running of a business. So it's important to lock these down as much as possible and wherever possible, build in clauses that allow either party to get out if the situation is deteriorating rapidly. Okay, well, that's it. If you'd like more information about any of these topics, head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au. There we'll have a free download of all of the things that I talked about today um, in this um, case study of Rhodes and Beckett. And also on that website, you can download some other information resources that might be relevant for you and see other podcasts that we've talked about that have similar topics as the ones talked about today. Also, you'll find details there of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you'd like help with any of these items that we covered today. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. So thanks again for listening in. See you next time at Talking Law. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.